Blog Talk Radio. about 
was about a kid who obviously took a lot of slack from his uh, – <laughs> I know that noise in the background. Uh, I'll have to leave the room. So, so I know we've given our kids a lot of slack over playing video games. And, you know, basically we've all told our children there's no career in video – playing video games, go get a life. And, you know, my kids are going to say, Dad, you're being very hypocritical right now because you have definitely – there is no life or career in playing video games. Now, I, I understand that there's an exception to the rule. Uh, but after watching Gran Turismo and watching what the story was about, the story was about a kid who, as I said before, played video games in his home. He was really good at it. He got the chance to put his, um, uh, uh, you know, his career on stage, right? And so, you know, um, he won a contest. Uh, along with several other drivers, they were became contestants. Um, the idea was to take a gamer and turn him into a race car driver, and there was a lot of people who said that it couldn't happen. And you know, I, I've, I've been one of those naysayers as well. This movie is a documentation that it can happen, and that's going to get me a little bit further into what I've got to say here. We also have another driver in the Cup Series. I, I had a conversation with a gentleman at the end of Gran Turismo, and I said, you know, I said, that's a great movie, man. I mean, I'm inspired by that. I've really given my kids a hard time with it, but, you know, it shows, but it really furthers the fact that, you know, he was like one guy out of all these people who played Gran Turismo who got that opportunity, and that's how small the chances are of making something of yourself in that profession. But when I started talking about William Byron, and how he's been able to basically mimic that in his NASCAR career by coming from being a gamer to a stock car driver, all of a sudden it got the old mind ticking. And I don't like it when the old mind ticks because then I get lost in thought. And I got to thinking, you know, I have been the one that has always said, you're not going to find a poor kid across the track who's going to be able to brace these race cars. And right now, in racing, it's a lot of privileged kids buying rides. We know it is. It's been that way for a long time. Uh, I've got a, a friend of mine who acclaimed it started with Jeff Gordon. And I reminded him that it was so crazy that for just a moment in time, Alan Kowicki and Jeff Gordon were on the same timeline because those are two totally polar opposite people, right? Let's get back to what I was talking about. Guys, if we can take a kid on a game and make him a race car driver, as we can go to the Dominican Republic or we can go to the Samoyan Island to get football players, Dominican Republic to get baseball players, Canada and Russia to get soccer players as, uh, and hockey players, um, you know, soccer players, I guess, Saudi Arabia around. Look, it's time to dig deeper in racing and start finding the truest talent in the world. And I think that Grant Turismo helped open my eyes to this, that we are capable of, of creating kids who are not necessarily of the privileged background, and we can give them an opportunity to become race car drivers. And I've already heard my crew. They're ready to talk, so I won't hold them back any longer. I'm just no, glad I just I figured out what my rant was, because it would have been terrible I, to miss I just, the top I just I just wanted to bring up the fact is there not or or was there not an I racer 
that got a chance to drive somewhere in the NASCAR series. I'm not real good on the details, but if I'm not mistaken, yeah, if if I'm not mistaken, they they did give one, at least one driver from iRacing a chance to really drive. Yeah, there's there's William, obviously the success of William Byron, that's the biggest one. The other biggest one is Ty Majeski. Um, the other one, there isn't really one I can click off the top of my head. Actually, there is Tyler one in the Hunter. Northeast. Hold on. There's, there's, there's a Southern Hunter. driver. Okay. There is that one. There is one up here in the Northeast. He drives, he's one of the top Crate 602 sportsman racers um, in the Northeast, primarily New York. Um his name is Peyton Talbot. He has been big on iRacing since they've dropped the big block modified cars on iRacing. And ever since then, he's gone from a mid-pack driver to now he's literally a championship threat no matter where he goes. The one biggest takeaway from that movie that really just set me in stone was when the Guy was trying to sell the idea to the former racer who was now a racing coach. He said, but these kids have 10,000 more laps than you ever did at their age at each of these racetracks. And that was just stunning. Like, it was, it was the beginning of we can do better. We can open the horizon and bring racers in from all parts of the world. We no longer have to have Rich Daddy writing a check to bring in the best race car drivers in the world. Tell me what race car fan that wants to be a race car driver isn't playing iRacing or some form of racing on a a device such as a PlayStation or an Xbox. I'm waiting for the answer. Any child who loves racing, the first thing he's going to go do He's going to go either buy a NASCAR game, the Tony Stewart dirt racing game, or he's going to talk his parents into signing up iRacing for him. We have a talent pool now that we've never had before to pull the greatest racers in the world and bring them and give them a chance to drive those race cars. All we need to do is convince the promoters, the owners, and the advertisers that this does work. And it's a movie like Gran Turismo, and it's, a, and it's and William Byron and Ty Majeski. Those are the specific guys that will show you that this can work and trust me 10 years ago this may not have been possible i know i know gran turismo was based off of what happened 10 years ago but that was setting the groundwork right that was before the idea was big now we can make this idea big and i would like to start out with you taz taylor as we open the door for discussion so the biggest takeaway we can do, get with, on, let's say on the iRacing side, because that's the biggest one of them all on the eNASCAR side of things. So with the with NASCAR's partnership in iRacing, you bring out the eNASCAR, what's called the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. It brings out the best um, 40 drivers to race basically – what would be half of a NASCAR Cup Series schedule, and they run every other week. Uh, I think every other Tuesday, as a matter of fact. 
and they have um, you normally the champion unless they've changed it. Normally the champion not um, not only wins the grand prize and the trophy, the glamour, blah blah blah. Um, I do believe they get an opportunity to at least run a either a late model or grab a car or two from like the Rusty Wallace Racing School or something like that. And they go to a track and basically kind of like taking a car to a track and testing it out. Like it's just them and the track. Uh, they get some time there to see, if, you know, things happen to go the way that they do. They could run, um, they could run an actual real car and race it as like, but I know on the outskirts of that in terms of, um, the console side, like the PlayStation and Xbox side of things, there was an eNASCAR um, series. I think it was called the Heat Pro League or something like that. Um, it went two seasons, and then it went dormant because the company that made the uh, Heat games ended up the, – the best Bank. word I can come up with, and it's probably not the best word, is scammers. Let's just put it that way. They've done some whack, weird stuff in the last year or two, and if you bought it's the just last been game, odd and crazy. It for itself. If you bought the last game, it speaks for itself. And it was supposed to be a new engine and all, and all the hype because they were finally getting away from what was it called, Jimmy? Unity, Unity engine. So they were going to a new engine. And, of course, it was the biggest flop ever of a NASCAR game. To this day, it still uh, was never fixed and has so many bugs. It's probably considered the worst game ever uh, released. Not just the NASCAR game. No, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I give props to NASCAR of the, at least at that time, they did try to bring out the best of the best in the console gaming. And the reason why you know that is because there have been people that put hours and hours and hours of work into this. And they were actually hired by actual race teams like RCR, Hendrick, uh, Stuart Haas, just to name a few. To represent them in the gaming world. Yeah, this is on the console side. I mean, they're literally racing their hearts out. And it was there. I thought they had a product going for them. And after the second season, they pretty much, they lost all, basically, the pro league drivers. Then they lost everything themselves. And then they they practically lost the gaming community at that point. Right, right. Miss Lee, uh, let's come on in. Uh, what do you have, What do you feel about the discussion? Uh, and, and do you have something that you want to talk about with it? All right. Well, I I can't talk much about the gaming side of it because I've never been into that. I I've tried and that was never my thing. But I did do a, a quick search, <laughs> and I did find out. And this was not the person that I was thinking of, but that um, Raja Karuth, who drives in Arca and trucks, came oh, wow. from iRacing. Wow. He 
started racing, uh, I think maybe 2016 or 17 in iRacing, had never driven an actual car. And then um, in 2019, he signed up with Rev Racing and started out in Legends. And all of his prior experience had been iRacing. So, you know, there you go. I think it is a viable um, way to look at things and and maybe, you know, get them started in the lower series like Raja Caruth did. Um, right. I, you know, I don't know. I hear that with the advanced rigs that, that, that some of these kids can get, and, and that costs, uh, I'm sure, an incredible amount of money, too, but that, that they can be, you know, fairly pretty realistic. So I think it would be ignorant of NASCAR to not explore that. I'm not saying it's the best option, but I think it does widen the field. But then again, you have to look at how are these kids going to get the money if they're not coming for money? How are they going to get the sponsorship? Right. So, you know, again, starting at the lower levels. Right. And one thing I kind of want to note, too, is that this isn't just on the NASCAR side. I know iRacing and NASCAR, we talk about that branch. That's the biggest one of them all. But we can't forget about the other partners that iRacing's got. They got World of Outlaws. Um, I believe there's a couple other ones. I mean, they have a, iRacing has a college iRacing series where people that want to race online and are a full-time student in a college – they race against each other. Like there's a representative from like Rutgers, a representative from uh, Cal- California, uh, just to name a couple. But like I said, there's the dirt racing side too, as I mentioned with World of Outlaws. And then as I mentioned in the Northeast, you have Peyton Talbot, who right now is, I think if it wasn't for iRacing, he would not be a top contender or championship threat no matter where he goes especially leading the NASCAR weekly uh, the NASCAR weekly series points for Division Two right now. Yeah, it's definitely room to see this uh, grow. I think that movie has come out at the right time, and uh, it was definitely not really the storyline that I was expecting. And had I known that it was really, uh, you know, a video game movie, I think I would have had a different uh, perspective on even wanting to go see it, but once I did, and they they, they welded it all together uh, very nicely, I would give it a ten out of a ten. Go see it. It's definitely um, it, it'll give you uh, it'll give you some moments of of, of wet eyes. It'll uh, you'll feel some moments of accomplishment. Uh, you know, it's you know, it's one thing um, the physical work these athletes had to, they had to become athletes. Like, they were gamers who had to become athletes in order to achieve the goal. And I think that that's something that, you know, like I said, it's a, it's a pool. It's definitely 
something that I think manufacturers would have to stand behind, like Nathan did uh, with the Gran Turismo, um, Ford Development, Toyota, TRD, Chevrolet. There, there's an avenue for these guys to go and find the crop. We're not talking about, you know, 150 racers being given the chance to go race NASCAR. It's not going to happen like that. But we can get one or two guys who are qualified, and it'll leave these kids with something to chase. Speaking of chase, we'll move on and segue to our next subject. Chase Axon asks Kyle Larson, is, is the sports just supposed to cover this up for Chase? Because Bob Pockers asked him in an interview if he was trying to make a statement, and Chase played dumb and said that there was nothing going on. We've discussed many times before Chase Elliott and his actions and whether or not the guy's having a tough season. What I was going to say is whether or not he's the best driver in his own garage. And I think most of us can agree he's maybe second best, probably third best in the garage. William Byron has definitely uh, come alive. He's definitely um, the driver that I expected him to be uh, from the beginning. I believe my colleagues uh, expected big things from William Byron as well. But this is be this is an ongoing thing between him and Kyle Larson, and I, I really think that we should dig a little deeper tonight and find out where we stand on. First of all, should we help Chase cover up his bad attitude? And second of all, should we continue to ignore the fact? that these two drivers don't necessarily like each other and they're in the same garage. I'll start with you, Ms. Lee. I think this is a little bit more of a PowerPoint for your end, so I'll uh, let you begin this discussion. Well, I personally love the uh, Daniel Trotta clip that got shared in our chat. And um, I couldn't agree with her more. Chase? There's something off with Chase this year, definitely, you know, from his poor decision-making in his personal life to his antics on track. And you're right. He doesn't like Kyle Larson. And, And you know what? I've been a Kyle Larson fan for a long time, but. I'm not so sure I like Kyle Larson all that much anymore either, but your teammates, and if you can't, you don't have to like each other, but you have to respect each other. And Uh, Kyle is in the chase. Chase is not. So Chase needs to step back and shut up and sit down. Miss Lee, uh, do we uh, do we have to have permission to play what Daniel Trotta uh, had to say, or can we just wing it, or what? I mean, it is it no, is fair use act, correct? I think it, it it was publicly posted. I mean, as long as we're giving credit to her, we can certainly play it. Yeah, definitely. I want to play that because I think it's pretty important here. Hold on. That's why you door slam somebody. To tell them you're not happy. And by the way, both of those via Bob Pockers from Fox Sports, so thank you uh, for getting reaction, asking the questions that needed to be asked post-race. 
totally unacceptable, Chase Elliott. And no one's going to convince me of this otherwise. Chase Elliott does not like Kyle Larson. And I think this goes all the way back to last year and the incident at Watkins Glen. And I don't think Chase has been right since with his teammate. How do you not cut your teammate any slack when he's in a driver championship race? Larry, what if he would have cut Larson's tire? What if the tire goes down? And Kyle Larson on the ensuing restart has major damage, gets up into the wall, wrecks, spins down, causes a huge crash. I don't want to get in trouble for playing too much of something, so we're going we're gonna to cut the feed from that. Uh, but what basically she's discussing is the fact that it is recognizable that these two drivers do not like each other. And obviously, there's been a, some loss of respect because Kyle Larson is chasing a championship. I know he got a win, but every every point counts. I mean, at what point in time? Rick Hendrick stood in front of everybody and said, you're not going to wreck my boy. Well, when is Rick Hendrick going to come to the table and defend his guy who's racing for a championship? You're not going to wreck my boy. Obviously, Jeff Gordon was pretty pissed off about it from everything that I've heard about it. Uh, Miss Lee. And again, you know, we're, we want to give full credit to Danielle Trotta for that piece. We did not ask permission, but it was posted publicly, so we're hoping that there's no repercussions for that. But again, yeah, stay within 30 and, seconds. yeah, and you know, and again, you know, yeah, she she raises the point of of what happened at Watkins Glen, and you know, I, I, again, I'm just saying. Kyle's in the chase. Chase is not. Chase needs to step back. I know he wants to win a race, but you don't retaliate against a teammate who's in the chase when you're not. I I, I don't care. And that was nothing but pure retaliation in my mind. Yeah, same. They got to look at the bigger picture of this. Chase Elliott is only racing for the owner's playoffs, which I get in the sense, you know, he's in the same situation as Kyle Larson on that side. But the bigger picture is Kyle Larson's running for the driver's championship. Yes, he's locked into the next round. But as you said, Chris, every point matters. There's got to come a time where you have to put your personal ego aside, regardless of regardless of whatever it is, and you two are teammates, you have to work work with each other. And plus, at the same time, he, I'm sure he looked back in the replay and was like, um, and pretty much felt stupid about it because Brad, Brad got in Larson's way. It's not like Larson purposely doored Ellie on pit road. All Larson was doing was, was adjusting to the situation at hand. So let's let's further this conversation. Let's take this back a little bit. So Jeff Gordon became kind of the team captain there at Hendrick Motorsports uh, after he retired from racing. Chase Elliott's been signed at Hendrick Motorsports, I believe, probably as late as early as what 2000, maybe 10, something like that. He was he was a still a 15 year old late model driver uh, who won that Snowball Derby, um, I believe, uh, at 15 years old. Um, so, so many times in sports, you have a certain general manager that comes along, right, especially in football, they didn't necessarily draft that quarterback, 
And so you kind of just go out there and you pick your own team around, but you wait for that opportunity to get rid of the player that, you know, that basically you didn't draft, you didn't have anything to do with. Is that is that what's good? Is that what's on Chase Elliott's plate right now? Because Jeff Gordon obviously is senior. Senior. If his relationship is not good with Chase Elliott, or or see, and what I think that creates this issue is the fact that Jeff Gordon had a big hand in bringing Kyle Larson in, right? And I think he had a big hand in bringing William Byron in as well. And if you'll see that quickly. The nine machine became the, you know, Chase Elliott went and changed his number to the nine. I am not sure that Jeff Gordon was very happy that Chase Elliott took the 24 to, in the first place. It was really funny how William Byron, after one year, William Byron comes up and he takes over the 24 car. Um, you know, William Byron was probably picked a little bit later in Jeff Gordon's career. Jeff got to see Chase and probably compared himself a lot to Chase Elliott, right? Jeff Gordon was a very young man when he signed on it uh, at Hendrick Motorsports. Not as young, of course, as William Byron, but still a young man nonetheless. I don't know, probably could be really close to age, as a matter of fact. So, uh, well, I'm thinking about William Byron on that one. Uh, But anyway, Chase Elliott. So uh, he could very well have already formed an unpopular opinion for the most popular driver in NASCAR. Do you guys feel like if he's bringing bad terms on Jeff Gordon, the likelihood that Hendrick Motorsports could very well send Chase packing later on in his contract? Uh, I would like to know. Uh, Miss Lee? Well, if he continues with this attitude... If he continues with this attitude and disrespect, then, yeah, I can see them cutting him loose. But by the same token, he's a legacy driver, and he is the most popular driver. Right. You know, so you've got to factor those kind of things into it, too. Because, you know, let's face it, he's got a huge fan base. Right. And, you know, him him being with Hendrick and driving the nine it, it is a big factor in that. But, you know, but, it, I Lee, mean. We've got to go back to the time, Miss Lee, we got to go back to the time where you had Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon, Kate, Casey Kane, and Dale Earnhardt. You had a packed house of nothing but influential, crazy about drivers. We remember the campaign with Casey Kane. Girls and right. everybody, they were all. I mean, Casey Kane was a big freaking deal. Dale, Dale, right. Dale, Dale Earnhardt, I'm sorry, most popular driver in racing alongside with Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson. The big heads all learned how to get along with each other. It's got to be disgusting to Jeff Gordon to look at a teammate of a team. And you know, look, it's not like Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson always seen eye to eye either. But is it important? for Jeff Gordon to have a good relationship with Chase Elliott if they're going to continue on. That is a very important question, you know, especially in in the role that he has, that Jimmy has right now. And if he feels that um, personal feelings aside, if he feels that Chase is not meshing with the team, 
then he's going to say, go. Good right. luck. Right, right. See, now we're digging it. We are. We're digging the ditch. Here we go. Taz Taylor, she said what I wanted her to say. It took a minute to get there. What do you feel, man? It, it, the question, of course, is in this topic of does Jeff Gordon and Chase Elliott have to have a good relationship in order to continue on? Because Jeff Gordon is the he is the Hendrick. Hendrick was able to keep his drivers all in line, biggest heads on the planet, all out of the same racing group. Now, that that so it's like the Yankees when you wear the pinstripes. It doesn't matter what problems you had anywhere else. Once you're a Yankee, you're a Yankee, and you act the Yankee way. That's the kind of atmosphere that it is at Hendrick Motorsports. How important is it to have a good relationship with Jeff Gordon and Chase Elliott, and is that possible by the way Chase Elliott's acting here lately? You have to have a good relationship. It's essentially like, essentially, let's put it this way. Hendrick Motorsports is, for instance, as you said, Chris, I mean, the New York Yankees, right? You're a head Say the head coach for the Yankees, in this case, is Jeff Gordon. Your players are Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, William Byron, Alex Bowman, blah, blah, blah. If there is not a good relationship between the player and coach, why is the player there? You need to have a good relationship. You need to have a good relationship with your coach because if you don't, it doesn't look good on you, doesn't look good on the team, doesn't look on the entire organization at all. And when and of course they they're going to find way, they're going to find a way to release you or be hard on negotiations when it comes to contract stuff you know and if you go to and if you go try to go to another team and they kind of know your reputation they're going to know about it and you're going to be harder to sign yeah i think this is the box that Kurt Busch put him in, himself into right uh, when he no longer could be uh, as talented as Kurt Busch was, there was a time where everybody was afraid to bench with him, right? After he got fired from Pinsky. Um, people were hesitant on hiring him as a driver. Of course, he rebounded and uh, worked it worked at it the hard way uh, to uh, become great again. And, you know, unfortunately, a head injury uh, shortened his career. Um, but, uh, you know, we did get to see the comeback of Kurt Busch. Now, now known as the outlaw, right? Uh, he changed his image and everything. Um, so it is possible to save Chase and the relationship at Hendrick Motorsports. But I think the, the Yankees' uh, comparison uh, is right on track, right? Because once you start with the cancer in the garage, what happens, Taz? What happens, Miss Lee? The cancer spreads, right? Everybody becomes self-centered. And if right. Chase is the big head, if Chase is the self, and I told you guys, like anybody who flies to work every day is separating themselves from normal people, right? Because normal people don't fly to work. Now, the rich do and the privileged do, and that's what Chase has been. He's been a rich, privileged kid, you know. Uh, exactly. And, and now it's all coming to head. The thing that we don't give Dale Jr. credit for is how humble he is to be worth $300 million. The man is humble. And we don't give Dale Jr. enough credit for that. Well, that's the way he was raised. 
you know, versus Chase having that guaranteed seat. Because of a name. Exactly. And but Dale Jr. Like was good. I, mean, I, yeah. I do want to point this out. So, as I mentioned earlier, we have to look at the bigger picture. Well, everyone at Hendrick needs to look at the bigger picture. I understand all four cars are, well, three of the four are in the owner standings. Obviously, Kyle Larson has moved on to the next round in both the driver and owner because of his win. And Tyler Reddick is on the same deal over at 2311. Now, if you look at the owner side, Chase Elliott currently sits in eighth place, minus 42 points behind the behind the point leader, which shockingly, not shockingly, it's Larson in the five. They currently are above the cut line by only 12 points and knocking on the door, I guess you can say is knocking on the door 12 points under the cut line is not only a team rival, but a manufacturer rival. And that's Harvick's number four, Stuart Haas. So if you think there ain't enough pressure there already, boy, He's going to have another thing coming. But how important, I, well, I, I guess from a fan perspective, how important really is the um, manufacturer's championship? I mean, yeah, well, I'm, not really, mentioned, I'm not looking so much at manufacturer. I'm looking more at, the owner side of things, because obviously the higher you finish in the owner's points, um, I mean, it's pretty much like the driver's points. The higher you finish, the more payout you get. Okay. So, like, but Chase needs to realize that, yes, he's racing for an owner's championship in the playoffs, but he has to look at it in the sense of Kyle Larson's running for both that could help the organization more. Right. Right. And like you mentioned, who sits better in the standings at this point too. Yeah. Um, In more news, Noah Gregson gets reinstated by NASCAR. There's been a whole lot of silly season moves over the last couple of days. Of course, Harrison Burton, uh, has announced that he's returning to the 21 machine. Uh, Denny Hamlin locks in at Joe Gibbs Racing, along with 2311, locking in with Toyota. No more going to Ford rumors uh, for that team. Um, let's see. Uh, just, nope, not Justin Haley. Who else? There's, uh, I think there's some other news there uh, on the silly season side. Um, um. I last I knew John Hunter Nemechek in the 42 um, obviously Legacy Motor Club going to Toyota next year Um, Priest was staying with uh, Stuart Haas that's good that's good wow so 
yeah, I got I got the article from Bob Parker. He wrote up of, uh, and this was post posted on Monday at around one o'clock. Uh, with just eight weeks left in the 2023 season, most Cup Series teams are set for 2024. Although some pieces still need to fall in place. Last week's news of Denny Hamlin was expected with a contract extension. Driving for Joe Gibbs, 2311 signed an extension to remain at Toyota. Legacy announced of John Hunter Nemechek to the 42. Um, though two, and then after Hamlin and Nemechek announcements, there are eight Cup rides still haven't been announced for next year. Those two of those shouldn't should not have changes. Both are Ryan Priest and Harrison Burton with Stuart Haas and Wood Brothers, respectively. SHR and Eric Amarola have yet to announce if he'll return next season. Amarola said a week ago that he expected to have something to say soon about his future, although he already is one year past his originally planned retirement. He had said prior twenty twenty two he would retire after the season, only to be lured back by sponsor Smithfield. Smithfield has not announced an extension of its SHR deal. SHR could elevate Cole Custer from Xfinity to Cup, returning him to the series he drove from 2020 to 2022. Like any ride, could come down to sponsorship. Pollock Racing has not announced its Cup lineup for next year, as Justin Healy already has signed with Rick Ware. Whether Almendinger returns on the cup side or races Xfinity next year for Colley could be determined this week. Almendinger said last week he would race full-time and let the team determine which series. Daniel Hemmerk, who drove in cup in 2019, won the Xfinity title for Joe Gibbs in 2021 and has driven for Colley the last two Xfinity seasons, is in the mix for that cup ride and appears to be one of the top candidates. Um, if Amendinger goes to Xfinity full-time, colleague could land could be a landing spot for Ty Dillon, who currently drives the Spire number 77. Carson Hosevar, who is having a solid year in trucks, is the top candidate to fill that seat. Rick Ware has not named the driver for its number 51 car and is still determining whether that will be one driver or multiple drivers. Live Fast Racing, which has used multiple drivers in its 78 car this year, also has not announced 2024 plans. The name that hasn't appeared in this piece yet that many are waiting to see who signs signs him is Zane Smith, defending Craftsman Truck Series champion. Smith has talked to several cup teams, including Trackhouse, according to sources, but Trackhouse doesn't have a spot for him in 2024. So any deal with Trackhouse would likely be a situation where he is leased out to another team for next season, possibly Cup or Xfinity. I and then think he goes into the then he goes into the lower series, and we don't really need that part. I think Justin Haley's making a big mistake. I I heartily agree. I know Rick Ware. He used to be a regular on early 110 Nation, but I, I just I just think that that, that that was a real step back for Justin Haley. Yeah, I, I don't I disagree with that. I think uh, I think uh, that is um, a Rick Ware promise that they are going to be competitive next year, and I think that. You know we're gonna we're gonna see 
we're going to see something else happen. And I don't know if it's going to be the 51 car that opens up or, or what, but um, somebody's going to somebody's going to take a risk on one of these charters, and uh, we'll 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 be left with our uh, jaws on the floor before the end of the season. I just really feel that way. There's a reason why Justin Haley chose to go to Rick Ware Racing, and I just I just don't think we've been uh, privileged to see that card yet. Uh, other big news this week, uh, let's get to this real quick. Eric Jones, uh, top three finish, finally getting together over there at uh, Legacy Racing, about damn time. Yeah, uh, first top five finish in Legacy MC. Yeah, I know. That's crazy, man. Uh, stage breaks, return for Charlotte Roval. Any big surprise there? I'm getting now, I've seen I've seen some mixed reactions. <clears throat> you have those who um like it because of the fact that the people believe that the lack of the stage stage cautions um was the reason why the racing was boring at road courses. And there are those that say that it's not the stage cautions, it's the package put together for the road course races. I'm curious to know what you guys think about um, them adding the uh, chicane to the road course, too. Yeah, they never... they've. They've never done the chicane for restarts, and now they're going to add it. And I feel like if something goes wrong, it's going to be a going to be a Talladega Daytona big one. Yeah, it's it's going to be a cluster. All right. Um, so uh, something. Um, oh yeah, let's get to the. Oh, yeah, real quick, Sam Mayer. That was the guy I was trying to think of earlier. He signed with Junior Motorsports. As we said, we're not really trying to get off into the uh, Xfinity and uh, Chuck Series stuff. Uh, it's so confusing. If NASCAR could ever get all of the chase lined up together, uh, I think that they would be so much easier. But we would just not have enough time in the day uh, to cover all the stuff about Xfinity and Truck Series as well. Uh you know, we knew coming into this, gosh, dog, and I turned, I hit the wrong button. Okay. All right. Here we go. All right. So we said at the beginning of this cutoff that there was going to be a driver, as always, that just doesn't perform. Something's going to happen. He's a victim of circumstance. As I'm looking at the chart, I think we're all left in surprise. Did not see any of the drivers that we picked. This driver was completely not on our map to falling off in the end of the first drop. And that is Martin Truix Jr. sitting seven points behind 12th place. Did Martin Truix Jr. not win the regular series, the regular season championship? Yeah. Crazy to think, and wow. right now with how the with actually with how the playoffs are sitting, with what we predicted, three of the four are under the cutoff line, and that fourth one, we <clears throat> we predicted Ross Chastain, and we threw Martin Truex Jr. easily into the next round, and man, oh man, 
Yeah, that's why we play the game. <laughs> he, he pulled an Aaron Rodgers. Check, check this out. Boom goes the dynamite, huh? Huh? How about that? Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm coming to your crib. Yup, yup. <laughs> Boom goes the dynamite. I like that. So how about Brad Keselowski catapulting himself to the fifth spot? That's got to be big news. What, y'all thought we were going to go a whole episode without talking about the hottest team in NASCAR, RFK Racing? Baby, there's Brad Keselowski sitting in the five spot, uh, rolling into Bristol right where he wants to be. American flag sticking out the back end of that uh, number six machine. All right, I, what, what I, do y'all think? Overperforming, uh, I, underperforming. Where's Brad Keselowski? Kaz, you, you're you're ready. What's up? I'm ready because you want to know why. When the picks got posted for Darlington, somebody questioned that one, and look at that one. It came back to slap him in the face. I've been, I've said the whole week of Darlington. I'm a believer, <laughs> and I'm RFK has not only gotten a new fan, but starting to make me believe that there's something going on over there that is turning this organization around. And I'm believing that whatever Brad had learned or grabbed from Penske, he's bringing it over and it's really showing. And I'm telling you, and I expected, I expected a good run out of Keselowski in Kansas. Um, Busher, I don't remember where he finished. I think it was better than where I thought he would be for Kansas. But Brad, I'm going to say Brad kind of shocked me with Kansas a little bit. Not a whole lot because obviously we've seen um, we've seen the best out of I believe we've seen the best out of Brad and I don't think we've seen the last of it either. I think the the year they not only Brad had last year, but the team itself I think had a step back, which is expected when you have a new owner coming in, a new teammate, obviously with a new car. So literally they were throwing everything new and trying to fit the puzzle pieces together. And I think that setback really turned into, I guess, part of success that they're showing right now. And I don't think they're done. Let's talk about – I agree. You know, uh, Miss Lee, what do you have to say about Brett Keselowski? I want to get to the Tyler Reddick subject, and I left something on the table here because I feel like maybe there was a conspiracy that nobody really wants to admit. And I'll get to that in just a minute. It's a tease. I like that. Uh, Miss Lee, Brad Keselowski, uh, are you surprised? Surprised? I'm not. I want to hear what you have to say. No, I'm not surprised. You know, Brad's Brad's learning his way in his new role, but he's still performing as a driver. You know, and he's obviously been a very positive influence on that team. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, I've I've always liked Brad. You know, yeah, we tease about him and whatnot, but I, I've always had a healthy amount of respect for him. 
Um, he's he's of a new generation, so he's bringing new ideas. Whether he brought them from Penske or you know, he he's got a good business mind. So, you know, no, I'm not surprised, and and I won't wouldn't be surprised to see more out of him before the end of the year. Hashtag I'm a believer. <laughs> there you go. No doubt. Well, you're a believer, and you know what? Um, Michael Jordan is the goat. Okay, and what they've been able to do over at 2311 has been unbelievable. If you look at the stats for the last three years, you know we want to toot, we want to toot so much of the horn and track house. But yet we have a organization that was built from the ground up with a brand new owner, uh, for a guy who had never been in racing before, bringing people like Curtis Polk over to uh, racing that's never been there before. They've been able to have a total, I believe, of five career wins and 100 starts. Um, that's winning five percent. Uh, that's not a bad number. At all, uh, I may be one off on that as well. I'm not really sure, but so here's Tyler Reddick. <clears throat> he's uh, automatic, you know. He's got the automatic transfer. But what was left on the table earlier was Denny Hamlin. There's been a kind of a controversy, but it hasn't been for the right detail. I don't believe it's been that uh, uh, maybe uh, Kyle Larson was trying to hold back and Denny held back as well to keep Larson. Now, Kyle Larson has not responded to this, but that's been the say-so that Denny Hamlin must the start because he didn't want Kyle Larson to fall back and get the momentum to come around him. But what it looks like to me is Denny Hamlin signed that damn contract a week too soon because as soon as the money is in the bank, he helped his team win, and nobody wanted to discuss that at all. All week long, I have not heard a single person say, hey, wait a minute. Don't he own the car that won? And didn't he say before he signed the contract that he would help his teammate? He would help his team before he helped his teammate? Are we leaving something on the table? Am I... Have I fallen off? Have I fallen off? Do they need to take me off the show? Tell me right now. I'm going to start with you, Taz. Tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me where I'm not, where I'm a crazy conspiracy theorist. So, I mean, I see where Hamlin says he's going to help his team before his teammates. But, Denny, come on. I know you want to help your team and get those guys motivated, but, dude, you have a championship. It's eluding you. Put yourself first. Give yourself a, give yourself a little help. Come on. Like, we all don't want to see the modern-day Mark Martin, but you're really starting to shape into him. <laughs> Hey, the name of his podcast this weekend was Bridesmaid Again. It's almost like he's admitting that he chose to be Bridesmaid. 
And he I even admitted podcast, it was, I only got to listen to DBC, so I wasn't able to listen even, to his podcast yet. He even put in there like it pained him to be in victory lane while he enjoyed it. It pained him because he knew he had that race won. And at that restart, he knew what to do to get the job done. And obviously whatever he did, it did not work. And he knew it. All right, look. Kudos to 2311. Ms. Lee. Look, Denny knows where his future is, okay? Yeah, he signed a two-year extension with JGR and talked about, you know, potential um, re-extensions. But Denny knows where his future is, and that's as the owner of 2311. So put two and two together. You know, will the same thing happen down the road? Um, you know, in in the upcoming races, will he do the same thing? I'm not so sure. You know, he does still want to have a championship, but he knows where his bread is buttered. Yeah, is it the most important thing on Denny Hamlin's plate right now? That's an interesting way to phrase it, Miss Lee, because it brings up that question. Is, you know, to be a champion, you got to want it so bad. But has that moment passed him already? Because when you name the episode Bridesmaid again, you're, I mean, everybody knows the comparison, and everybody can tell you that Mark Martin has been the bridesmaid of NASCAR up until now. It's almost as if he's accepted it. And, you know, I go back. If Dale Earnhardt had been racing his son and Michael Walter for the win, Dale Earnhardt would have never died. What killed Dale Earnhardt was he he was going to watch his cars win the Daytona 500, which meant that that wasn't Dale Earnhardt anymore. We don't want to admit who Dale Earnhardt was going to be from that day forward. And and the world couldn't handle it, so God took him and made him an angel. But right. I believe it. I believe Denny Hamlin has given up on the chase to be a champion, and he would sacrifice his own championship to be the car owner of the guy who, who wins. I mean, hey, if he doesn't, He's got three Daytona – look, I'm telling you, this man has three Daytona 500 wins. He's got almost every uh, privileged win in the book except for, I think, a Brickyard win. You know, the kid the, – the guy's had a, an amazing career, right? Um, is his drive for a championship there? I don't think so. I think that if, his, if he had to race his car for the win, I, I'm not sure. That, I, I, don't, I don't know how that would come about. What do you guys thought? Well, like I said, I you know, I, I, I know Denny knows where his future lies. Does he still have the drive for a championship? I'm sure he does. I'm sure he wants to try. If it came down to him being the, the, the champion or one of his drivers being the champion, I'm not so sure. He, I think Denny, I get Denny wants to be the car owner, wants 
his teams to succeed. And I know he's had a successful career, and I'm sure he knows it too. But Den- Denny does – I don't think Denny has many years left. And he knows that cup championship is eluding him. He's got to come in crosshairs at some point saying, do I want this championship bad enough for myself? Or does, do I just become modern-day Mark Martin and just get all these achievements, have a successful career, but never get that, never get that exclusive Cup Series championship? You know, but modern-day Mark Martin isn't such a bad thing. I mean, we still talk about like him today. Good point. The point is like I mean, I'm not saying it in the, in like a bad thing, but it's just like dude, you've you've been you've been right there on that championship. Come on. We wanna see it come we wanna see it come through. I don't I I know there's gonna be mixed reactions because I know there are people that don't like Denny Hamlin and there are people that do. We want to see the world explode when you win that championship. <laughs> Tyler Reddick's got to be up on the wheel if he's going to win a Cup Series championship. You put Tyler Reddick at, at Phoenix, and I think he's as good as anybody. The problem is you don't want Denny there, too. That uh, That's going to be a tough that's- situation if that's that, where that, it winds up at. Yeah, that that's the point I was trying to make. You know, yeah. it comes down to Denny and one of his drivers. You know, yeah, maybe 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 he cut him some slack or helped him this weekend, but if it comes down to that, I, I, I'm not so sure. Well, the longevity of a car owner is going to come from winning championships. You're at the end of your career as a driver, and you're trying to stay in the sport for a very long time. Your priority should be as a car owner to get that championship. I know. I mean, like like I said, I think he – I think he's got the pieces together to make 2311 successful. And I know he's got the drivers behind the team to do it, especially in Tyler Reddick. I think Bubba Wallace could be up there too if he would just stop, if he would just, you know, give himself self-confidence that he's got the team behind him. He's, He's got everything behind him and lined up. He just needs to believe in him. And I think Denny knows that he's got an easy two-car team to put together that can go out and win championships. But I do believe Denny should look in the mirror and say, before these guys try to get me, what can I do? to give myself a championship 
All right. So uh, anything else in the? Oh, go ahead, please. I was I was just going to say referencing back to my comments about Brad being a good businessman. Denny, I don't think could have paired with a better person than Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan is a very astute businessman as well. Oh, yeah. I think, I honestly think if Denny didn't partner with Michael Jordan, I don't think this team would be as successful as it is right now. No, no way. No, Michael, Michael Jordan put put a lot on the table, and he has proven himself yeah. from the business side. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's been already been more successful at this than he ever was as an NBA owner. Um, and, and that's a lot to say. Uh, he made his billions exactly. as an NBA owner. Um, but he's been a lot better at putting and managing this. But, you know, what we don't give Michael Jordan credit for is he was for years in the motorcycle world. So he knew he's, – he's had management teams that have dealt in the motorsports world and understand, the you know, the flux of it. Um, what Denny Hamlin brought with the Michael Jordan um, – ownership was guaranteed sponsorship, guaranteed faith of the sponsorship side. And right. I'm not sure how that was going to hold up until the checks started rolling in for Bubba Wallace. You know, of course, Monster Energy has been a big piece um, uh, to all this as well. But, um, you know, I think it was just, you know, he was going off of what Tony Stewart did that, hey, I'm here and I'll be able to bring in uh, people who are interested in me, and not just his own, of course, not his own sponsors, but but be able to attract other sponsors who would want to be part of the Denny Hamlin program. Uh, but now Michael Jordan, of course, brings his own as well. So you got one car that's going to be funded with uh, one, you know, in one area, and then you've got the other car uh, that come along pretty quickly. Honestly, I thought Bob Wallace was just holding the seat down until Denny Hamlin uh, went to his own team. Uh, obviously, I believe the success of 2311 has been a lot quicker than anticipated. They 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 were ready to not grow as fast, but being that they are as good as they are and have been out been good out of the box, um, expansion has probably come quicker than what they expected. I mean, Tyler Reddick was not even supposed to race this year. Here he is transferring by a win into the next round of the playoffs, which has tracks that it has. You got those tracks in front of you right there. I think it's Talladega, um, the Roval, and one other track. I think it, I think it's really a um, – Hold on. Hold on. I'm looking it up. Um, after birth – so it's Texas, Talladega, and Charlotte Roval for the next wow. round. <clears throat> So, I mean, those are, you know, Texas, of course, a high-side racetrack. Um, Talladega, anything can happen. The Roval, this kid got, uh, you know, a road course win. So, Tyler Reddick, good running down all the way to the end. He could be a Final Four driver. 
Oh, I can I can see it if it goes his way. If Texas and the Robo favor him, he's got two out of three. Good to go. He just has to survive Talladega. If you look at the round of eight, Las Vegas, another high side type of track. Homestead, big time high side type of track. Survive Martinsville. And then you're in Phoenix. Tyler Reddick won a championship at, at Homestead one time. In the Xfinity exactly. Series with Junior Motorsports. Yes. And RCR. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, and I, RCR. I, I he certainly that. did. Exactly, he did. That's right. I forgot. Good job. Good job, Tess Taylor. Um, man, I mean, we covered some ground tonight. I don't know how we were in hyperdrive or what. I mean, I've kind of run out of uh, – I mean, I've run out of material. Uh, we, I mean, Harvick's on the cut line. Let's go to the top twelve real quick. Are uh, the top? Let's let's do the sixteen. Of course, there's three drivers that are almost already out. Bubba Wallace is one of those drivers. Ricky Stenhouse and Michael McDowell. No big so, surprise there. Martin Truex Jr. Right. is now seven points behind Kevin Harvick. Taz Taylor. So I want to read off a stat here. Um, I know Bob Parker said at the time that I got the tw- that I got this, um, it was unofficial. But after tech was cleared and there were no issues, so this is actually official. Um, according to Bob Parker, no matter what anyone else does, Hamlin clinches with 14 points. If he doesn't get any stage points at Bristol, he needs to finish 23rd or better. William Byron needs 22 points, but if he doesn't get any stage points, he needs to be 15th or better. Brad Keselowski needs 30 points, and if he does, he needs to be seventh or better if he does not score any stage points. The rest of the playoff drivers, if they want to be in the next round, will need to depend on the stages. Blaney needs 38. Bush needs 39. Chastain with 45. Busher and Bell with 50. Pagano with 51. And y'all laughed at me when I urged drivers to work for stage points. And if you really look at it, it's an advantage. I wouldn't. I wouldn't write off. I technically would not write off Bubba or Ricky Stenhouse. And the reason why is because yes, they Cal are nice Well, I wouldn't write those two off for for Bristol yet because any Bristol is basically like a, a short track version of a super speedway where literally anything can happen. Um. But Bubba is 19 points under, and Ricky Stenhouse is 22 points under. If things go their way, they can find a way to sneak in above that cut line. However, if you look at Michael McDowell, eh, he's got a little bit more pressure on him because he's 40 points under, which means if he doesn't get anything in the stages, he's now must. I mean, at this point, he's practically a must-win situation. Yeah, I like the idea of this, though, right? These three guys, they all could have a chance uh, to compete at Bristol. Of course, Ricky's always done well at Bristol. Uh, Michael McDowell does pretty well. 
Bubba Wallace was fast. He was fast at Kansas. The dude was leading the race. Um, he had a fast but car. It's just circumstances beyond but, his control. But well, well, I will put it this way, and I know Miss Lee said it too, and I was pretty much in agreement on the same side of this. Twenty-three eleven in Kansas has some kind of good magic here because ever since twenty-three eleven has become a team, um, I think a two-car team, I should say. It's basically become a two-car team. The 45 team has won three of the four Kansas races. Right. Yeah. Wrap your mind, wrap your and Danny Hamlin won the other one. Yeah, like wrap your mind around that because yeah, Kurt Busch, if you look at 2022, Kurt Busch won in the 45. And then in the, and then in the fall race of Kansas, Bubba Wallace in the 45. Then you have this year. Denny Hamlin won the spring race, and now Tyler Reddick with the 45. But Bubba Wallace is running up there as well. Something with something with Kansas. I mean, I don't want to say something with Kansas as Toyotas because I think there's more than just Kansas with the Toyotas. But Toyota has something figured out with Kansas, and especially on the Denny Hamlin and 2311 side of things. Yeah, you know, we always wonder why in certain places you, you hear these drivers all the time say, well, we circled this track on on our calendar. So, obviously, what it is is they, you know, in this new car era, they have found certain tracks that they hit on better than others, and they focus on that. So, um, New Hampshire, for example, with SHR, right? Uh, they, they all of a sudden, you know, SHR come out like they were, uh, you know, a top-flight team. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, you, you hear Eric Amarillo say, well, yeah, we had this one circled on the calendar. And you're like, well, what does that mean exactly? Well, I think what it means is they, they know tracks that they got an advantage at, that they figured out, maybe setup-wise or something. Maybe something works better there that doesn't necessarily work at other places or something to that effect. Um, you know, if somebody wants to be conspiracy theorists and say, oh, well, it's a script. No, it's not the script. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh... Um, these, these certain race teams know where the data says they're going to be good at, and so they they look forward to that race and they put everything into it uh, so that they can be competitive there. And I think that's something that uh, 2311 has been hitting on. Obviously, Denny Hamlin, you know, got a win. He's the car owner of 2311. Maybe maybe he shared something with the team that hasn't been shared around through the rest of the organization. I'm not sure, um, it, you know. Once again, it, I don't have all the answers. I just have the facts in front. The facts say that uh, 2311 has taken Homestead uh, in, in Kansas. There's no place like home. Right now, as I look at it, right now as I look at the playoff standings, um, it, right now the drivers that have amazed me, whether it's good or bad, in this first round. Um, is is Ryan Blaney and Martin Drex Jr. I thought Ryan Blaney would be like working with the cutoff line along with even along with Rob Chastain. I mean, Chastain's kind of flirting with it. Not as bad as like Pagano or Harvick, but um. 
but Truex was the biggest one. And I know Darlington, uh, they didn't have the best going that we've seen from them in years past. And obviously Kansas, with the punctured tire that ended his race about five or six laps in, that really hurt him. And it it really sits, makes you sit here and think, is any point gap safe at any time in these playoffs? No, because anyone can win and be in. I think you eliminate the guy with that the, the season point uh, winner. You 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 take him out of the equation, and all of a sudden you got a lot tighter bunch because you expect that season champion to transfer all the way to the end and carry those bonus points. You get a guy like that that's eliminated in the first round. All of a sudden, those other guys are a lot tighter in, in you know in, in the points game. And one thing I do want to look at with Truex here is he has three wins. So he already has at least 15 playoff points. I don't remember how many stage wins he's got. Add, take those 15, and for a regular season champion, that's another 15 on top of that. So he's got, so he had at least 30 playoff points to start and two bad races. He's now sitting seven points under hitting panic button for Bristol. And a lot of people did not have him marked as somebody to be falling under the line. This early in the stage. Right. And I'm going to go over to the owner side of things. Things don't look much prettier there either. That 19 team is under the cutoff line by 12 points. Wow. It's not looking good. Not looking good. Um, for Truex. And look, Truex can come out and win this race as well as anybody. And it would dig him out of the hole completely, and we'll just be sitting here talking about, boy, we wasted 15 minutes on that subject, didn't we? Um, but, you know, I definitely wouldn't have expected to see the points leader of the season, the season, regular season champion, uh, being the guy in the cutoff spot. And to be honest with you, the guys in front of them, they all look pretty good at Bristol, too. Uh, Kevin Harvick. You know, it's definitely one that I think would be on uh, the list that's coming up here this evening um, as we uh, get closer to that. Um, I believe, do we have any stats or anything? Do we have uh, TV stats? No, Adam Stern hasn't posted any uh, TV stats for any races recently. I thought he had one or two that I saw. I could have sworn I saw something. Um, nope, that's one. Nah, yeah, I, I believe it's a one. Hey, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. 
Here we go. Oh, shit. Here we oh, go. I got IndyCar okay. Portland. F1 again. Now, the NASCAR race at Kansas had an average of 1.76 million viewers. That's a 6.28% drop from last year's race. The 1.76 million is comparable to other previous races. Um, Saturday night, Richmond. So, uh, not really gaining fans. So maybe a little bit of a loss of interest. Uh, could be the Chase Elliott factor. Um, not really sure. I mean, Kansas, these mile and a half speedways have generally been some of the best racing. So, we're a little surprised to see the fall off there. And it was a beautiful weekend. I, I got the Darlington um, TV ratings, too. So USA Network got a 1.23 rating and a 2.29 million viewers for Sunday night's cookout Southern 500 NASCAR race at Darlington, down from a 1.37 rating and 2.34 million viewers last year. It was the 10th most watched sport program of the weekend after nine college football games. It is that time of year. The Indy Cars race season's over with. Did they crown a champion? Alex Flo. Hudson O'Neill. The World 100. World 100. Yes, he did. Beating out Superman. Way to go, Hud, 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 Hudnell. Hudson O'Neill. And and the what, what's, the, what's the controversy? Something about right front tires or something I saw at the World mm-hmm. 100. Yeah, a lot of tires. Uh, Who's your uh, tires went flat on the right front for some reason? Um, I never really heard. An explanation to it all. I do want to Mountain put out there. I do want to put out there. Huh? I want to put out there for uh, the World 100 since you hit on it. Um, nor I do want to give props to Nice Motorsports and their driver they picked up. Thanks to Curtis. I'm sure thanks courtesy of Ross Chastain, um, nine-time Super Dirt Car Series champion, Matt Shepard, who's a big name in the Northeast, big block modified. Chris, I'm sure you've heard of him with watching some of the Northeast racing. I know who Matt is. Okay, there we go. We got another name. Um, He's had, I think he's been a late model like two or three times before the World 100. And the guy made the Twin 25 shows on the first two nights. And they had some bad mojo and just couldn't figure it out to make it into the big one. And let me tell you, I know there's a lot of haters up there of Matt Shepard, but you have to be, but considering the little time he's had in a late model, and you're on the biggest stage of them all, I give him props. He he was sitting out of like 100-plus cars 
before the final night of the World 100, he was sitting almost top 30 in points. And that says something. Yeah. That should say something. For sure. Matt Shepard is a talented race car driver. So is Max Verstappen. Can anybody stop him? Max Verstappen. Ten <laughs> wins in a row. Boy, Formula One sure did go in the toilet quick. I'm not hearing nobody talk about them anymore. Yeah. I mean, when you see the same driver win, <laughs> I mean, look at, what was it? One, what was it? What was it, 2021? Kyle Larson won so much that it was just hard to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's yeah. why I take, I take off now when Kyle Larson wins. It was just such a hard year for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw where F1 is like, you know, trying to figure out how do we stop one driver from winning so much or something along those lines. <laughs> they got a bad problem. Well... Uh, our season's winding down. Of course, our season at the uh, local dirt tracks is winding down. We'll be out at the Hattiesburg Speedway this weekend for the Dixie 50. Uh, it's kind of a homecoming return. I'm not sure if I'm going to be on the mic, but my son will be filming. Um, uh, but I do intend on enjoying uh, some racing with my wife, and uh, we're going to... Uh, just kind of fit in and see where, you know, I, I don't think I've ever went to a racetrack, a dirt race, since I've been in dirt racing and not worked. So uh, my wife has said that the only time she ever sees me in the stands is when we go to Talladega. Um, so um, that means that over the last 12 years, I've never went and just watched the dirt track race. Um, and it probably won't be, <laughs> it probably won't be this weekend either. But, uh, you know, it's, make sure you uh, go out Sports your local tracks and all, and uh, we'll get over to Taz Taylor's Taz's picks, man. I mean, what do you got going before, on this weekend? Look, uh, let's before, talk real quick about this. Yeah, before we get to the hot picks, there is a an event happening up here in the Northeast that I'll be at only for Saturday, but Thursday, Friday, Saturday is the Fonda 200 weekend. Uh, Thursday night. Um, of course, you can catch all this on Flow Racing if you don't attend live. Uh, Thursday night is the first night of the three-day weekend event that basically is highlighted by the what they call the Modified Ultimate Underdog 33. Essentially, you'll see modified drivers who have not won a modified race at any track uh, in the 2023 season, they'll take part in that. Um, and then you'll have the limited sportsmen. Uh, they'll run a full program of heats and features. Um, all other divisions will have open practice. Then Friday, September 15th, you'll have the Fonda 200 modified qualifying heat races. Only Modifieds will only run the qualifying heat races on that night. It's the only time you'll see them. Uh, then you'll have the CRSA 305 sprint cars in action. 
they'll run a full program of heat, uh, beaming if necessary, and dash. I believe they have a dash and feature. Uh, the pro stocks have a will be running a full program as well. Thousand dollars to win for them. The street stocks return to the Fonda Speedway uh, for this weekend. Um, along with the Fonda Fair four-cylinders as well. Now, of course, Saturday is the big payday where the the last chance qualifiers and, of course, the modified uh, Fonda 200, $53,000 to win. And since the resurgence of the Fonda 200, uh, which was in 2019, was won by Stuart Friesen 2020. There was no Fonda 200 due to COVID. 2021 was won by Stuart Friesen, and last year it was won by Matt Shepard. Again, $53,000 to win, $1,000 to start, plus the Crate 602 Sportsman will have a full program of heat, uh, last chance qualifiers, and the main event as well. Well, that was a mouthful, buddy. (laughs) Hey, it's it's not a it's not a race event. It's a weekend, baby. Ooh, hit it a little too hard that time. My bad. Um, all right. So, uh, Ms. Lee, uh, is there any airport racing going on in your area? Well, there's the. Uh, wind down of the uh, World of Outlaws at some of the local tracks that are not anywhere near me. Um, <laughs> other than, uh, but where I'm going to be moving to, I will be closer to, so I will be attending local races. Um, cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, not much going on in central Ohio right now. Yeah, it's going to start snowing pretty soon. (laughs) Please. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, uh, let's Taz his hot pick and we'll close out the show here tonight just a few minutes early. Taz, I'm sure you've got some pretty good picks that you've already pieced together. If you'll post that graph or a messenger. That way we've got something to work with. Uh, we'll try to help you decide. One thing I'm disappointed, Ms. Lee's still not playing still. I feel like I feel like we're missing out on an opportunity to keep people involved once we go into the chase area. And I also would like to say, damn, did it break? Um, I also would like to say that uh, I, I do, and I'm petitioning here now to throw away the rule uh, on submitting your picks by a certain time and not getting any credit for it afterwards. I feel like we've forgotten that some people do have lives and they're not as 100, but I still want to see them apart. It would have been amazing to see Luke Rakowski and what kind of season he could have put together. Also, um, you know, me and Ms. Lee are kind of at a disadvantage here with only being one-car teams. Uh, I did notice that uh, the two-car teams, seem to have worked a little bit better. Uh, of course, I speak of uh, um, uh, Taz and his wife, 
And uh, so, you know, I see the strategy going on there. And uh, I just wanted uh, to let y'all know that next year, my, my my wife and my three sons are all going to play. So, ha! <laughs> just so you just so you know, Chris. Just so you know, because I've even told Jason this too, and I told I think I've told one or two other people. My other half and I have two different strategies here. Just so you're aware. Oh, you cover more ground that way, my friend. You cover more ground. I'm just laughing. I'm just joking. Um, but uh, that, I do want to make sure that we we figure out a solution to that. And obviously, obviously, this year, and as late as it is now into the season, um, the rules were obviously just so people know. The rules were created before the season started. And they were approved by everybody in the 110 nation. Um, and everyone in the 110 nation had a chance to speak up about changing things. And there was one or two kicks that were in there before they were posted publicly. Um, and, 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 and that just didn't say, you know, not, we're not putting the rules down. We're not saying there's anything wrong. It's just, you know, once you get things into motion, you start doing that's That's why we evolve things. And uh, that's one of the main kickers right there that I, that I think we should correct, uh, you know, going into next season. We'll have all the off season to figure out how we, uh, how we, how we strategize that and how we bring that back to the table. Um, yeah. Uh, and and we, I, about- I personally want to thank you, Taz, for taking charge of this. Because I know it's a lot of work. Well, the one thing that the one person we should really thank for at least creating the idea, I'm, I guess you could say I'm kind of running back. Is Mr. Keith? I think, I think the one person we should give credit for, and I know he's kind of been more of a quiet, I want well quiet but not quiet person, depending on which chair you want to think about. Um, is Mr. CJ Sports. He's the one that came up with this whole pool in general to try to get, um, obviously, like some sort of fan engagement. Um, that I swore would never work. I would admit it. What's that? I didn't think it would ever work. I didn't think we could keep people engaged all season long, but I was wrong. Wow. And I like to be wrong. At least, we, at least uh, we got it on live show that you said it. <laughs> but, you know, one of my favorite segments is where Colin was right and where Colin was wrong. Because it brings the accountability to those predictions or ideas that didn't work. And I think that Colin's one of the few broadcasters commentators, whatever you want to call them, daily show guys, that goes back and admits to the places that he's wrong. And I, I, I admire that. So I bring that to the table as well. But, um, yeah, the, I mean, with the pool, like I said, Mr. CJ, um, obviously he's also the one, um, with, he's also the one that come up with, 
the prizes all season long. Um, and like I said, he's the one that came up with the creative mastermind of having this pool. Yeah, I'm essentially running his idea, but again, he's the one we all have to think is he's the one, he's the crazy mastermind that wanted to come up with this in the first place. But with that being said, hot pick time, Bristol, the playoff cutoff. We have Kyle Larson, Kyle Bush, and Denny Hamlin listed as favorites. Uh, contenders, Kevin Harvick, Chase Elliott, William Byron, underdogs, Eric Jones, Chase Briscoe, and Harrison Burton. I know some people are turning their heads as to why we have certain, why I put certain drivers in where they are. Quickly, Larson, um, in 14 races, has only finished outside the top five, five or top ten five times, and has the second best average finish of, of all active Cup drivers. Kyle Busch, well, I mean, eight wins, which is the most of any driver, active Cup driver. That should be self-explanatory. Denny Hamlin, um, with the momentum he's had in the last two races, despite the poor, uh, the poor finish he had at Darlington, um, he's got two wins at this track. He's got a 50% chance, or he's finished 50% of his races at Bristol in the top 10. Can't argue that. On the contender side, Kevin Harvick, well, I'm sorry, he has not been a race-winning driver. Um, he does have, he may have the third best average finish amongst active cup drivers right now with three wins, 14 top fives, and 22 top tens. Uh, like I said, all season long, he's not really been a threat to win races this year, so I had to throw him there. Chase Elliott, on the other hand, Four top five, six top tens in 12 Bristol races. The best average finish of the Cup Series drivers. I put him as a contender only because that because of that goose egg of a, in the win category. William Byron, he has a goose egg in the win category, but he does have top fives and top tens to back him up. And we've seen the breakout season that William Byron has had, and he's won on a road course that nobody expected him to win on this year. Underdogs, Eric Jones, this will come as a shock to you. Eric Jones has the fourth best average finish of all cup drivers, four top fives and five top tens in 10 Bristol races. Chase Briscoe could be flying in under the radar as an underdog. Along with Harrison Burton, and I know Harrison Burton's had one race under his belt for Bristol, but he finished in the top 20, 16th to be exact. But why, Taz, why did you sound like uh, uh, Jim Carrey and there may be a chance? I just kind of had, had that vibe there. Uh, from uh, uh, Dumb and Dumber, like there's, are you telling me there's a chance with Harrison Burton? I don't know. I think I think uh, Austin Sendrich 
have I think I think Harrison, Harrison well, Burton. Here's the catch. And I wouldn't bet on Harrison Burton. Harrison Burton started 27th and finished 16th. So it seems like he may have some mojo there. I'm just trying to, you know, I hate to be this RFK fanatic here, but I think there's a guy by the name of Brett Kislowski that's got hella stats at Bristol. That's where I was going. (laughs) There there were were a when I was putting this list together, I purposely left a few names, and I knew he was he was one. I purposely left off because you guys would mention him. Yeah, There's a couple others I'm you, waiting because on. Because you and I are both picking him to win this weekend. So you think I'm picking him this weekend? I mean, there's a one-point separation between you and I. It is my job to think what you're thinking. I mean, All right, so we're, where, are we, where are we putting BK? Brad Keselowski in 24 races, three wins, six top fives, eight top tens, and has led 1,013 laps, average start of a 9.6, average finish of a 16.7. Hmm. How many um, wins? Three. He's got to be a favorite. At least a contender. I can I can go. I can go on the contender side, but I wouldn't. I don't know. Like I'm in the middle of contender and favorite, but I want to lean more towards a contender. Momentum. He does. It's a jinx. He does have the momentum. He's afraid of the jinx. See, he's been thinking this entire time that he was picking Brett Keselowski for the win, but now that it's evident, he, he even proved that by leaving Brad K off the list because he's down Taz as a BK fan too, and that's that's why I like Taz because we both know that he is capable and very well could be the uh, the winner this weekend. I know I've got my money on it. There's just no way around it. RFK's been one of the strongest organizations in the uh, NASCAR season, especially here of late. Um, Keselowski, you know, was a bottom uh, seller driver uh, at the beginning of this point, and now he's up to the top five. So uh, all all my guy does is climb. Um, This is his shot. Uh, I, I expect big things from Keselowski here. So I, I, I don't know. <clears throat> I, I would once again want to steer away from being the jinx, uh, but he is a favorite, and he should he should be put into that favorite spot. I think the momentum that RFK has had, uh, one of these drivers has to be at the at the favorite because the, the organization itself is doing things that other organizations can't seem to get done. I agree. So, we'll throw him in the favorite. But there's another driver I want to throw in that favorite category. One who's got similar stats to Denny Hamlin. Also out of the Ford camp. And used to be teammates with Brad Keselowski. That's Joey Logano. Joey! 
wins, six top fives, ten top tens, and 26 races. Yeah, this is when the juice gets turned on. Uh, Penske is a winning organization. They know how to get it done in the playoffs. All and resources I know, are going to be on the drivers who are in the chase, and uh, Joey Logano is going to get the best. I and I know Joey. I know this is an odd year, and Joey Logano has shown that odd years are the off years for him. But I think when the pressure is on, Logano somehow steals the show. If he doesn't steal the show, yeah, the he's, in the con- he's in the conversation. The guy's clutch. Yeah, he is. And I can I can throw him I can put him in as a favorite if y'all are in favor for it. Yeah, I, I think he belongs on the list for sure. Another driver that I think belongs on the on the list. Uh, I, I, it's up to you, Miss Lee. Favorite or contender? Because because you have to kind of say, well, wait a minute, because he's not been hammering on all cylinders. But well, that that's just it. I I love Logano, but I'm, I'm just not a hundred percent sure that he can pull it off. Yeah, yeah. So I think he's got. I think he can be. I can see him being a favorite because. Looking at the drivers around him, there's not a whole lot I can really pinpoint to be a favorite either. I know there's one driver I think Chris is going to be chomping at the bit for his name that I can can list as a contender, and I'm sure he may have the capability of winning too. Who's that? Would that be the Ding Dong Bell? Christopher Bell? Now, see, I, I would, I would I put Bill, Bell I would put Bell, I would put Bell as a contender. Yeah, definitely. You know, Bell has been the most inconsistent. It's hard, you know, it's hard to bet. Oh, Bell. Um, this is where he was last year at this point in time. He wound up in the Final Four. Um, I don't know. He can probably survive the round. Is he a contender to win Bristol? I, I, I was high on Bell at the beginning of the year. He has left a bad taste in my mouth. Um, I definitely feel like, I mean... It's hard to put somebody that's in the chase as an underdog. But I guess amongst the situation that you're looking at with Christopher Bell and his on and off season all year long, uh, you know, that, that's a question to be asked. And maybe you can Yeah, just that. too too inconsistent. I mean, if you look at if, – if you – I think Christopher Bell, had he not had the issues he had at Darlington, I think he would be okay for Bristol, and, and he would be an easy contender. I'm still, I'm still thinking he's an easy contender for Bristol, regardless. But there is one contender we are leaving off the list, 
We've mentioned his teammate and owner, and he was the winner of this race last year. And he's in the playoffs this year. He's got to be in the contender list. That's Chris Pusher. Ooh. Okay. This is kind of where RFK started piecing things together. And they're piecing them at the right time. Busher, you know, you you were a doubter of Busher in the beginning, and you you were you were uh, very hard on him and whether or not he was going to survive a Darlington and uh, Kansas. Uh, obviously, you know, he had better results well, at Darlington, and knew, Kansas was kind of so-so in a top ten run. I knew if he had a good result in Kansas, he would. I think he would have been all right for Bristol. My, like I said, my question was Darlington because that's where his worst average finish of all the three tracks the first round was was at. That's where I threw the question mark. I didn't want to be too critical of him, but I had to circle it because, I mean, Darlington's not the easiest track to go around. Right. Right. No, I mean, I'm just bringing, just bringing that back. You know, just wanted that to be uh, across everyone's time. I see Bush on the list. You know, Kyle Bush. Uh, how about? I mean, Ross Chastain. What are his? What does his stats look like? Oh, geez. And I hate to tell you this, Chris, but when we were debating between Chastain and Blaney to be eliminated, I looked at this track specifically. And the reason why I favored with you and having Blaney move on and eliminate Chastain was because of Bristol. He only has one top ten in this race in this track. His average finish is a twenty three point three. Wow. Not good. So honestly, we could put him on the list, but if anything, maybe an underdog, and that's harsh to say. I'm still favoring Chris Busher to be on that contender part of the list. Easy. Well, Vegas has Chastain odded at 14 and plus 1400. Uh, that's above Joey Logano and Kevin Harvick and Martin Truex. Um, that's a surprise there. Uh, at the top of their list is Kyle Larson at a plus 600, then Keselowski at a plus 800. Christopher Bell at plus 800, William Byring at plus 800, Denny Hamlin at plus 800, Chase Elliott plus 1,000, Chris Buescher plus 1,100, Kyle Busch plus 1,200, Reddick 1,200, Blaney 1,400, Chastain 1,400, Logano 1,600, Harvick 1,600, Truex 1,600, Bubba Wallace 2,800, then Ty Gibbs at a plus 4,000. So then it starts going off the charts. Uh, but uh, I do so, think, you know, Larson, a heavy I, favorite. I do, I do think there is one underdog that should be noted. He's in the playoffs, and I know Chris has mentioned him earlier in the show, and that's Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Ricky is a plus ten thousand. He has four top fives in. Six top tens, but his average finish is an 18.3. 
Well, AJ Allmendinger's plus 20,000. I see Stenhouse as an easy underdog. I could, too. Yeah, add him to the list. Yeah, I, like I, could, I can see Rocky as, as a, uh underdog. Um, well, that would really to look shake at some, things up. Trying to look at some other underdogs to throw in. Eric Amarola is another one if I'd never listed him either. Uh, two top five, four <laughs> top ten. He, he has led 39 laps at this track. All right. Really? Yeah. We have to so we have one favorite left to fill, and the only name we the only name we questioned to fill in there was Joey Logano. Yeah, Denny Hamlin. No, he's, he's in there. Yeah. Um. Well, I can't I can't think of anyone else. To fill a favorite spot. No, me neither. Besides Logano, I mean, I I would more put him as a contender, but since those spots are filled, I I I'm on board with putting Logano as a as a favorite. What about Daniel Suarez? I see him as an underdog, honestly. But what is his stats? Only two top tens and it led five laps. Wow. Uh, Ty Gibbs would be one to watch. I don't necessarily think we should add his name to the list. But people don't want to talk about it, how Ty Gibbs has been pretty um, impressive his rookie year. His only one, his only cup race stat for Bristol is one start, started 25th, finished 35th. Must have been involved in a wreck. Right. And wasn't he in, involved in that fiasco with A.J. Allmendinger in the Xfinity Series like two years ago? Woo! Where they like spun to the checker flag. Don't have me lying. Yeah, so Ryan Blaney, was he on any of those lists? No, but I could I could see him be a contender at most. Yeah, not, uh, definitely not a two two top fives, five top tens, and has led for almost five hundred laps. All right. Well, that should be the list. Can't give them all away. Somehow or another, we're at the uh, four minutes till. So, so much for getting out of here early. Hey, it's well we do a two-hour show, right? <laughs> what a great time it's been here tonight. Of course, uh, if y'all have listened to the whole show, you are my hero. Um, help share the podcast if you come across it and uh, you're new. Uh, Race Chat Live is on every Tuesday night. And we discuss, unless Kyle Larson wins, and then I'm taking the night off. <laughs> <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> yeah, 
know, I mean, I'm just sick of that guy. But you know what? I would choose Kyle Larson over Chase Elliott as long as I didn't have to see Kyle Larson. I don't know if Kyle Larson can fight, y'all. I'm afraid he's going to, like, do some kind of roundhouse Bruce Lee move or something. Um, but if he if he doesn't, you know, chop a hawk somebody pretty soon, I'm just going to give up on that idea that the guy is some kind of samurai soldier or something. Um, oh, you're being racist, Chris. Is that what? Is that racist? Oh, well. Is that <laughs> what? Calling him a samurai? Well, yeah, because he's got Japanese heritage. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. You well, know that. He's not a freaking Viking. I mean, well, okay. How the heck? I mean, he's a fucking Viking then. Who knows? You know? <laughs> How bad? Damn. So fucking sensitive. All right. I, I'm, I'm teasing you. I, I, <laughs> I, you know what? I love Bubba Wallace. Thank y'all very much. Uh, <laughs> good night. <laughs> okay, we got we got to lose this thread real quick. <laughs> oh boy, uh, it went down the toilet fast. Lord have mercy, Chaz, right. Chaz, save us here, man. Well, we want to thank everyone for listening along to Race Chat Live. If you ever miss the live show, catch us on any forms of podcast such as Blog Talk Radio iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, RSS Feed, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, GeoSaving, Podcast Addict, Deezer, Podchaser, YouTube, and on Amazon Music as well. Speaking of YouTube, go over to the One Tide Nation Sports YouTube channel. Subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Get You can catch clips of our shows, um, any of our behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on to make uh, the One Tide Nation roll. Of course, you can also, you know, listen along to our full full shows if you'd like. Uh, thank you to our sponsors to make the 110 Nation roll, Bears Bullish Market Group, Carolina Sports Plus, TNT Designs, Yellow Caution Flight Productions, and More to Music, Karaoke, and Entertainment. We want to thank you all for listening along to Race Chat Live. We'll see you at the same bat time, same bat place next Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 o'clock Central. And this has been the Caution Flag of Race Radio. Chris Creighton, the Mama Bear, the 110 Nation, Miss Lee Reed. I'm the Tasmanian Devil Flaggers, Taz Taylor, saying good night. Support your local tracks this weekend. And have fun with Bristol, baby. Have a good night, y'all. Good night. night, everybody. Good night, everyone. That away from the yeah, let me back in. Oh my god. Not this again. Okay. Y'all call she's she's mama there? Yeah.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.